Welcome to the Evening Gamer. I'm Taylor. And I'm Guy. Welcome, everybody. How are we all? I'm feeling all right. How are you? Mate, I'm feeling fine and dandy. I was just going through our episode notes and, God, this is going to be a good one. Mate, this is jam-packed. We've got a lot to talk about. Yeah, so normal structure today, game reviews. I'm talking... Well, actually, we're talking we're about... We're talking. Remnant 2 and... Remnant 2. And Baldur's Gate 3. Baldur's Gate 3 and everything that was... Has been and maybe will be, but before we get into that, <laughs> I don't know where you correct going with me that. if I'm wrong because I have like four of these. Yeah, you've got a few to cover off. I, I actually don't know if I have any. Got to run down my notes here. Apex has five maps, not four. I oh. completely forgot about Broken Moon. Well, um, to be honest, I didn't even know. So yeah. there you go. I said four, but it's five. Also, Sekiro mentioned it last episode. It was from Software. And then published globally by Activision. I said Hexworks, which is kind of another developer that does those Souls-like. But it's from software. And to be honest, I should have known that based on how fucking hard it was. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. That's a good one. Other than that, what about... Do you have any correct me if I'm wrongs? No, I don't. You did say you had four though. Is that, that was two. It was two. <laughs> oh, we've just got two. It's okay. Two. It's just the two. Uh, no, I don't think I have any. I mean, I think I alluded to, uh, I think in the sort of talking about throwing water on a plant, I was going to explain that story, but it's a bit boring. So I was sort of like, what's the point? Yeah, I kept it in as well. It was too hard to edit Yeah, I out. wanted you to edit it out. Well, I mean, speaking of which, we did actually, I know in one of the episodes we talked about how we wanted to do never editing and that really only lasted the first episode. Well, not really. I mean... Well, we redid the second one a fair bit. Okay, mate. Oh, fucking, did we? Yeah, we recut the whole bloody thing. Well, not everything can be perfect. No, right. I know. Quality, quality over just doing it one and done. I don't even know if I can classify myself as a podcaster yet. No, neither. I know. Certainly more of an editor at this point than I am a fucking <laughs> podcaster. But you're doing really well so far. So. Thank you. So are you, you knob. But right. I just turn up and talk. You do everything else. <laughs> um, yeah, so Remnant 2, Baldur's Gate 3. We've also got questions from a hat today. And yeah, that that's it. what else is happening in life. Is there anything? I feel like it's straightforward this week. Is there anything else you want to talk about? You know <laughs> that actually something I want to mention. Sure. And I know that you're going to be like, yeah, because I told you. The TV series Ted. Yes. Uh, great TV show. I really enjoyed the first episode. I want to watch more of it. Have you only seen the first episode? I've only seen the first episode. Oh, man, yeah. I binged the entire thing. I have always like I'm a huge Family Guy fan, and I've always yeah. liked Seth MacFarlane. But Ted, the TV series, was fucking delightful. Yeah, I mean, I, I was really impressed off the first episode. I See, enjoyed I, the movies, and yeah, that's what's weird for me. I wasn't after the first episode. I was oh, like, really? oh, maybe, maybe not, because it does very much go back to that '90s sitcom. Kind yeah, of. it does have that vibe about it. I mean, but, there's, there's, I know it's good where you're watching something and you are laughing out loud. You are, it, it has cracked you because so many things you sit there and watch it, and they try to be funny, and a laugh track comes on, and you go, I know this. Is the point where I'm supposed to laugh but I ain't fucking laughing in mm. Ted I was yeah and I think the characters that Seth plays and creates very much resonate with me like they're not too serious it's always a bit of a joke you never know where it's gonna go oh, and that mate. TV show like obviously it followed sitcom kind of format so there was always like an episode that had a storyline that yeah. something new was going on in the family that week yeah but yeah yeah like it was so good to see and it was huge nostalgia going back to like what a 90s 80s household was like and yeah 
you know, like like when when there's like a lull in the in in the story and and they're not playing on their phones, they're like playing with a fire truck. You're like, oh my god. Oh, there's a whole sequence in that first episode where they're lying in bunk beds and Ted is sort of the kids talking about like masturbating, you know, and Ted's like, you know, the bed rocking. He's yeah. Like, <laughs> and he's just masturbating on an island. That was so funny. Yeah. So. We've really gone off topic here. We're sort of talking about that all week. It's fucking sick. TV anyway, show, yeah, gaming. Here we that's go. That's just a bit of life. Yes. Um, yeah. So let's start with Remnant Two. Yeah, Remnant Two. We both. Well, actually, you played it solo, then I played it solo, and then we yeah. came together for the DLC. That's how it went down. Yeah. So, where, like, where do we want to start our well, review? Well, I, I, I want to start 2? with just to, sorry to cut you off there with Remnant One, um, because I played that back in the day. Uh, sort of, you know, a few years ago, I played that one. And I really enjoyed it. You know, that first one was a different type of game that I'd played before. You know, it was sort of really new, really fresh. And I was had Remnant 2 locked and loaded, super excited for it, couldn't wait to play it, highly recommended it to you. Really pleased that you gave it a crack and you loved it as much as I did. Yeah, and it's a game that kind of follows the apocalyptic kind of you know entities have taken over the world very much a zombie kind of focused game with different worlds that you access through a world stone in your player hub which in this game is called ward 13 yep and yeah like before we get into the reviews fucking loved this game so if if you came on online today hoping that we were going to shit all over a game we did our notes on this game and (laughs) There's not much in there's the, in really the bad not. column I there's, have to say there's about There's really it. not. Like when, when, yeah, we were going through our notes, I basically got to a point of going, I think it, it was heralded and, and got a lot of great reviews. I think they still under-reviewed it and, and they should have given it a better score. Um, you know, so Remnant 2, third-person shooter, action role-playing game. You know, the average score was sort of an 8.5 out of 10. I'd go higher than that, but we'll do the reviews at the end. Um, Developed yeah. by... Gunfire and Gunfire published games, by Gearbox. Yeah. Two developers I'm actually not super familiar with. I mean, I think they've really stuck of sort of in this vein. You know, I think prior to this, they did the Remnant 1 and then they did a couple of games before that and they all kind of tie together a little bit, I've read. And you know what's good about the flow on from Remnant 1 to Remnant 2 is that they didn't change much. They just polished the shit out of the idea that they had. Yeah, with I, I would agree with story that. story and fresh yeah. lore. Yeah, which is, it's interesting though, because like in the last episode, I shat on Jedi Survivor for sort of being more of the same, but here is a different kind of more of the same, because they just fucking nailed it. They perfected the hell out of it, and it was such a delight to play through that game. Yeah, and like you think about, okay, you run a sequel, what, five to ten years later, however long it was, the um, the level of create creativity that you have now is so much broader in terms of what you can do with the game and they just they just released that with all the capabilities of today's games yeah added it onto their first one as i said fresh new story fresh new law and it came out just it just it was a goose that shut out a golden egg here with I, I, yeah. I mean it's so t- i shout on jedi survivor for not enough um sort of tailoring of a character and and you know sort of the items that you collect along the way you just get a new fucking tunic in this game you beat a fucking boss and you get a ga- a gun that you've never seen before and it's so unique so different and it changes up the whole style of the gameplay and your character, by the time you get to sort of the end of a run through, let's say, is so unique. You've got such an interesting class armor set. You know, you're multi-classing with two things. You've got a your fire weapon, your sidearm, and then your melee weapon. All of them are unique and very built from the ground up, you know, and do unique things. Like so 
interesting and so when you turn up and look at your mates and you sort of jump into the same game world and it's fantastic cooperatively you're like bro where the fuck did you get that gun from i want that gun yeah. that's sick and i was just looking through the gun list and they the aesthetic is so good because of the attachments that you could add now let's not get into that too much let's stay on the storyline here so you have a world stone okay there's the invaders are essentially they're kind of the byproducts root. of the root, yeah, yeah, or the rot, or however you want to. I think it's actually the root, <laughs> root, to, root? Yeah, yeah, root, to stay, you know, aligned with the the lingo of the game. Um, and through the world stone, you have to visit. How many do I have here? One, two, three, four, five I think different five, areas yeah. from the world stone that have become infected with this root, and you're trying to find the source of it. You're trying to make your way through there. Yeah. So the areas that you go to, the first one's the Labyrinth, then you have Nerud, then you have Lossum, Yasha, and then Root Earth. And now, remember, you don't need to do them in that order. You don't. You know, you can change it up. And I remember when we chatted about it, I was like, oh, I did this world first. And you were like, oh, shit, I did this one first. I think you do there, do the no, worlds. Yeah, you do right. the worlds in order. There's, one, there's one you do first, and then I think you get in the, the this second is, one you do different. This is why I loved it. So like... My favorite area in this game was Lossum. Yeah, which was the old time, old towny kind of one. The Beatific Palace was the main huge yeah. quest line in there that was had lots of variations. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. we we both started in different areas. We did, of yeah, that's right. I mean, that's right. So every location has got two different pathways within it, you know, and it's procedurally generated, so it changes up every time you play it. Correct, and how good like to keep how fresh a game can be in a oh, game is mine. We've said it before, procedurally generated and, and done in this way was so good because you'd play through the whole game once and you'd verse different bosses, different, every corridor is different. You play it again, different again. And it's that replayability that then made it so when I played it through once, I wanted to play it through again to get more weapons, more guns, hear more of the story. Yeah, so is there anything particular you wanted to talk about first or do we just go into what was your favorite area and what's something that stood out to you about this? We, let's go straight into that. I mean, mine was Nerud, with the futuristic one. Um, you know, I'm a bit of a sci-fi buff and that area just... I, oh, I remember loading into that area and it's filled with sort of smoke and you can barely see and, you know, you're sort of quite... The area is quite large and you kind of go down these very Matrix-esque sort of dungeons and it was so unique of an art style um, and was such a pleasure to just walk through that world. I really enjoyed it, you know, and, and that's the way in which they did that of sort of having these different styled worlds as a jungle world, as a futuristic world, as an old timely town kind of thing, kind of ticks different people's boxes. If you're a fantasy nerd, there's a place for you. If you're a sci-fi nerd, there was a place for you. Yeah, 100%. And Nerud, I was saying that right. They, they went Nerud. very kind of mythological with their spelling here. But Nerud, <laughs> let's just call it that because that's how I'm reading it from paper, was one of the first areas. Yeah. And did you play this game by yourself first run through? I did, or yeah, did you yeah, have yeah. A car? So you yeah. played by yourself. So there, there were four or five first like starting classes. I believe it was the handler, the medic, the hunter, and the gunslinger. Yeah. Do you remember what you ran? I think I did sort of gunslinger and then look, did the handler number two afterwards with the dog for a, quite a while, yeah. How necessary is the handler when you're playing by oh, yourself? Mate. The, mate, the handler with the dog is fantastic until you get to a fucking boss which is flying or some shit and you get fucked up and the dog yeah. does shit. But let's, let's talk about that because the I think the handler class was recognition by Gunfire Games thinking, okay, not everyone's going to be playing this co-op. Yeah. So how do we kind of give them a hand in game to make sure they can still enjoy it? The so race, the handler yeah. actually, as Guy said, has a dog 
that mm. is capable of aggroing enemies to keep them out of your face and yeah. also healing you yeah. when you go down. So you do get one res from your dog. And I just think that that kind of proves everything that we've already said about this is that it was such an intelligent game, so well done to have that. Yeah, I think it was ingenious. Like the, the, the having different classes, the, dark, the classes had different perks and, and abilities attached to them and the fact that you discover classes in playing the game and to discover some of these classes, they're so... Like I think there was one class that was so niche and secretive, somebody had to read the code of the game to discover there was a class hidden somewhere in this place. I think it was the summoner. Something like that, yeah. Like a random, you had to jump through so many hoops to unlock this fucking class. How many hours do you reckon you put into this game? A fair bit. I think I ran it through twice and because I wanted to experience sort of both bosses for every area kind of thing. And then even after I did that, when me and you met up, we still had different gear. And I thought, I thought I'd gotten everything. I actually played this towards the beginning of my sabbatical of work. Right. You, can't, you were like, dude, give this a go. And I was like, all right. Yeah. No, like not really knowing what I was getting into. I hadn't really heard too much about Remnant 2 yet because I didn't play yeah. Remnant 1. Yeah. Um, yeah, mate. And I pumped hours into this. Like there were some days where I was at home and it was just like six to eight hour sessions. Jeez. Like just because... And that's, you know, like that's what I love about these games is that there's an element that you have to Google what to do next on a quest. Yeah. But if you don't get the spoiler... Like if you don't look up the spoiler, it makes it so engaging, so yeah. much fun. Like I mentioned that my favorite area was Lossom, which was essentially this town that the route had ripped through, had pretty much murdered everyone. Um, the kind of community that lived there, they were kind of like elf zombie yeah. bat kind of people. And some of them had joined forces to kind of try and fight against everything. You had to make your way through them. And the one reason that I loved Lossom is because... You could either get the town or you could get the Beatific Palace. And there were so many different side mini quests yeah. within that area. Yeah. And my favorite boss was actually one of the side quests. And I want to talk about him for a while. Okay. The Red Prince. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, because that, that's where you get the crown from. Well, this is what I loved about Remnant too, is that the Red Prince, you had th there were three different ways that you could interact with him that all led down a different quest path. Remember, so you could either, you could get the assassination dagger. Yeah. If you killed him with it, then you got a special piece of loot. Remember, you had to kill his soldiers. And if the, if you got the coins, the soldiers dropped the soldier coins yep, and yep. you could offer them to him and it would go, he would actually kill you. And then you'd come back and it would be like a different side mission, different side quest and like that. Just made me want to do all three of those alternative yeah. endings with him. Yeah, and nice. I think that that speaks to why this game is so fucking good is that it's like you don't just finish the game you're like all right well i'm done it's like yeah. no actually i'm gonna jump on extra life or wiki and figure out what i did and what i can do next yeah. in the same area and i spent hours upon hours in lossom doing yeah that. i think that's like it's it's remnant 2 with their changing of sort of certain story beats and elements with the randomly generated procedural generated stuff and then how you interacted with the world it was enough of variety to keep you interested to have different outcomes but it wasn't too much and and i'm saying that because in later on when i do Baldur's gate 3 i feel like sometimes games you can be overwhelmed with decisions yeah and the reason why you're overwhelmed is because the game goes if you choose this path you can't come back yeah whereas remnant 2 didn't do that like they yeah. they installed and created a re-roll system that was perfect yeah 
like the, the re-rolling made it yeah okay maybe it was a little bit of work if you had to go through an area you didn't i was gonna say like that i mean much. like you know if we're, if we're gonna look for grievances i remember there was one section where i accidentally killed a fucking doe and that was like the boss area thing and you had to replay the whole goddamn area to try and get the gun thing and i was like i'm not bothering to do which that. is actually something we should probably talk about when it comes to this new style of game that's like alternate ways to interact with npcs and very much your decision making along the way influences how the game plays out for you yeah and i mean i think a game that we're just going to continue using as a benchmark is elden ring yeah probably because it's a, as i've already said in a previous episode it's something that i know a lot of the gamer face have yeah. played and it's a perfect example of like the different quests and how you interact with people and how it affects the quest line that you're on if you kill a boss without interacting with that quest it can end that quest line so mm. i don't think you could purposefully do a whole quest on either Remnant 2 or Elden Ring without Googling a little bit. Now, is that bad? I mean... Like, is it, should there in these games be a spot where it's almost like, say, at Ward 13 and Remnant 2, you had a journal there that kind of kept track of all these little things for you? Yeah. Before you made a decision to do something, before you finished an area, not knowing that you... Because sometimes I jump on Reddit and someone's like, hey, I killed this thing. Is that quest over for me? And everyone's like, yep. Yep. And it's like, fuck, if I have to be Googling a game to finish yeah. the quest, is is that the complete level of complexity that we want to... Well, yeah, we I mean, endorse? coming back to what we said before of like to discover there was a class even existed, they had to read the goddamn code of the game to discover it. You know, it's sort of... There's Easter eggs, but then there's like, you know, if you're Googling how stories and, and quest lines unfold to make the right decision, you know... There's a replayability to it, but you wouldn't know if you didn't kind of Google it. But then there's those people who are sort of, what if I did this? You know, so it's different different strokes with different folks, I kind of think. Yeah, and I think pros and cons to both because I remember when I was in Yasha, the area there, it's very much a, a foresty area. Yeah. And obviously with all these games, you go into different areas and dungeons and you pass through, you kind of like traverse the mist kind of thing and you end up in a different area and then you have to come back to the main area to access the other different dungeons. There was once I entered a dungeon, killed the boss in that dungeon, came out, and in Yasha there was a Blood Moon event going on. That's right. I remember the Blood Moon. Yeah. And I looked up and I was like, why does the, the environment's changed? Yeah. The cinematic experience here has changed. How good? What does this mean? Did a quick Google. And it's like, yeah, every now and then at random, you you'll get a Blood Moon, moon event yeah. in this area. And yeah. if you kill particular enemies that are only available right, in this Blood right. Moon event, you'll get blood tears yeah, and you yeah, can and spend you can that on loot. Some, you can buy something with it, yeah. And how fucking good. It's the Genius. same thing. It's like now you're jumping into dungeons hoping for a Blood Moon when you yeah, come out. Yeah. And I think the fact that it, it was randomly generated of, of you just, yeah, pop out and it's different. It was so great that it's not like spend $15 to get a new area, like unlock a fucking DLC or whatever, um, which maybe we should talk to the DLC because we did play that together. And, you know, I think we've mentioned it previously on the podcast that we did do this and we did do want to, want to do an episode on it. So The Awakened King was what it was called. Just before um, we get on to DLC, is there a boss that kind of stands out for you ooh. throughout the kind of base game that you did as a single player? Base game. I remember there was one guy that just... Yeah, there was probably two that really stuck out. There was in Nauru, the, the sort of this giant almost big toe looking dude who just like ate his way towards you and kind of underneath the ground you know i remember fighting him was sort of quite a lot of fun 
Um, and then, geez, what was the other one? There was, there's a, like a flying orb thing that kept shooting like electricity at you. And you I was going to say, into a sewer so and, that was in Lossom and that boss's name was Sparky. Oh man. That which I actually was a huge challenge for me. Yeah, it was a challenge. I think everybody challenged with you that know, one. It was a tough like one. Like this wasn't also a game that you could just rip through. Yeah. Sparky took me at least 15 goes. Yeah, I think, yeah. And I only ended up um, beating him with a slight respec yeah which is I, like you did have to respec a fair bit yeah i needed yeah. a lifesteal attachment on my blackmore the ar mm. and i needed to use the cube gun because it absorbed it was, electricity yeah, yeah 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 and like love that as well and this is this is something that could either be a positive or a grievance for different gamers because it was kind of like when we spoke about melania yeah you needed the right you needed to go away and be like what amulets am i going to use what attachments am i going to use how's that going to serve me yeah and i actually really like it when a game makes you do that as a game you need to be adaptable i think so like you know the fact that there isn't like a, a tome or a journal in your settings that says this boss's weakness is da 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 you know, you're then yeah. having to figure out what weapon set that you actually own that you've uncovered or discovered through your journey actually nullifies this boss's abilities or does most damage against it. And so you are then forced to respec, you know, in the respecking or hell, even the mods, the mods in the game, another ingenious element of going, okay, here's a little fucking add on attachment to your weapon. Now it bloody shoots fire or something, yeah. you know, and it's so satisfying to come across these things and go, what does this do? How does that do it? And it changes how the gun looks, you know. So in the last uh, podcast when we did, uh, what was it? You know, questions from a hat. We go, what was the gun that you were most sort of excited for? You know, and there was, I think I, I got the name wrong. So I do have a correct me if I'm wrong. It was Alphilion mm. was the gun that I was talking about. And it unleashes the power of a dying star. And you can then corrupt it. And this gun looked so cool. You'd pull it out and put it on and shoot it in the firing range. And it's got these hands that are around a black star. And it just, it looks sick. It looks so cool. Love that. And just also as well through Lossom, like there was the um, the Queen of the Night or whatever that had the um, the deer that would jump on the, the roofs that would randomly jump down at you. And you could find her sleeping in a different area. And if you killed her with like the dream catcher, it would give you another separate part of loot. It was just such a good like little Easter egg game where it's like if you did something a particular way that, you know, none of your gaming friends might have done, you may have ended up with a piece of loot that they didn't have. And I think that's what gaming is all about, eh? To, 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 it encouraged you to go down every hole, every little drop, you know, to discover every little area. It, you wanted to do it. You were, you were genuinely curious to where you would go and where it would take you. Let's talk about the DLC because I remember when we finally jumped on and started doing some of these re-rolls together, I very much discovered that you're a... You're a scrap a, a, gamer. A loot, a loot goblin. That? A loot goblin. So I, I'd be running through like the 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 back areas of like Nauru, just starting to kill the enemies, and you'd be fucking breaking pots and stuff, <laughs> trying to get it. And I, I started to call scrap. it. I want I that started, sweet scrap. I started to call it scrap sessions with guy. <laughs> Literally, you you destroyed every pot that was there in order to get. I that think loot. I think I have like OCD with those things. I don't know. It's weird. You like see one at the back, like in the review mirror, like, I've got to go back to straight. Yeah, I missed a pot. i got to break that thing. a shitty little chest there. (laughs) Now it makes sense with the fucking Korok seeds. How good. Well, amazing base game. A few things that you, you know, you might not have been too keen on, but overall, huge, hugely positive gaming experience. Do we want to go into the DLC? I cut you off there. What was it Uh, called? Give us a quick rundown. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if there's actually too much more I want to add talking about the DLC because we did it together and I really enjoyed that we did 
it cooperatively you can do it in co-op you know and to, to have a laugh and doing it with you you know i think we upped the difficulty a little bit and it was pretty challenging at times um you know and yeah i think i it was it was a lot of fun to do it together but if you know not to wrap it up but just from what we've talked about of the bosses the map the weapons, the perks, the skills, the the leveling up system, you know, they perfected what they'd made an area in the first one of how to level up your weapons. It was a bit of a grind, but it wasn't atrocious. It, to me, was as near to a perfect game as you could possibly have. And I just had the most fun playing it. Yeah, I agree. And a great storyline mixed in with a bit of betrayal too. Lots of Easter eggs in all of the areas, like fantastic. And I like that in the DLC, you didn't mention how I shot them. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. My trigger we finger. We fucking turn up in the first section on the first thing and there's an NPC standing there looking out on a fucking, what was it, wharf. And I roll up to him and I'm having a chat to him. And then you shot him in the head and he fucking died mid-story. And I'm like, what are we doing here? This guy was about to tell me the whole setup of this fucking DLC and you've just murdered him. And every time we went back there, he was hostile. So cheers for that. It was like the old, it's the old, you're sitting on the cliff and you got someone in your crosshairs and you're like, oh, I can't not shoot them. Because you know what? It was weird for me when, when, it, when you put your reticle over an enemy, it was red. Yeah. You put it over a, you know, a, a positive, uh, friendly green, NPC, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. green. But with him, it was yellow. And I was like, oh, God, I'm just going to shoot this uh, kid. Just give and him a yeah, go. Was, I mean, for all I know, maybe he was about to turn hostile anyway. Who knows? Oh, if anyone does know emails, it's because we didn't fucking figure that out. <laughs> we never got that far. Um, yeah, so highly, highly recommend if you haven't already. And if you played the base game and you haven't done the DLC, look, it's not a huge DLC. It's kind of only one area and a few new bosses, but definitely worth it. Um, yeah. What would be your out of 10 for it? I think I'd struggle to, get, struggle to give this, you know, lower than an 8.7. Uh, yeah, I'd go higher. I'd go like a 9 to 9.5. Like yeah. it's, it's up there. I mean, how, like what is a perfect 10 really, you know? Um, well, I, funnily enough, when we get to my game, a lot of people gave that one a perfect 10 oh, and I'm go. not going to give it a perfect 10. Old as gate, we're on our way. But yeah, I mean, just ticked all the boxes, man. I th- yeah, yeah, 8.7, I yeah. think. And, and maybe, as you said, even higher, closer to a 9, 9.2 yeah. or something like that. But Phenomenal game, yeah. you know, and, and I'm so excited. There's two more DLCs to come out on it. We'll play, no yeah. doubt. And play it with a mate or a few mates. Yeah, do it. You'll enjoy it. It scales really well. Great game. Yeah. So, Baldur's Gate 3, are we, you know, am I, you passing it over to me? Am I hitting this one off? Let's do it, man. All because, right. Because um, I haven't played it yet. Yeah, okay. I do so, know a lot about it. Uh, Baldur's Gate 3, uh, you know, game of the year last year. Everybody knows it. RPG, uh, Larian Studios, uh, many reviews gave it, you know, perfect 10 scores. Phenomenal. So, I've been playing this game for what feels like an eternity. And... It's become a chore for me. Um, I in the last episode talked about how I wanted to start playing Helldivers two. You know, my list of games is growing, and unfortunately, the list I'm playing is not diminishing. And Baldur's Gate three is taking up all my time. And I think the way I game doesn't mesh with this type of game. Why? Because I'm a meticulous gamer. I got to break every fucking pot. I got to go down every goddamn <laughs> corridor. And this game, if you do that, will take you 150 plus hours. And I'm an evening gamer. I get one, maybe two hours, if I'm lucky, per night, a little bit on the weekend. I don't want to be playing this until I'm fucking 35. Yeah, but does that mean that they kind of made a blunder with that if you do go down every corridor it's kind of the exact opposite of remnant 2 the rewards aren't enough yeah literally like yeah. it's it's kind of like the old 
It's kind of like I've, the old Zelda problem. You find a chest that's hidden and it's there's like a fucking, just a, a piece of like... like a, you get a sword that's going to break after 10 hits yeah, or something. Yeah, and you're like, yeah. why did I come here? Yeah. Like, so in this game, you go down some rabbit holes and yeah, sometimes you end up in a whole new area and there's a boss and you get like maybe a couple of cool items, but it's just, it's such an undertaking. And I'm I, I we've talked about this before of being excited to play a game the excitement's worn off for me. It's become a chore. I'm not looking forward to it. Is there any creativity in Baldur's Gate 3? Can you, so can you much. settle down somewhere and build a house? No, no, no. It's not like that it's kind like of that. game. No. So it's it's a pure RPG. You know, you're you're with a whole like 10 companions. You get to pick and choose. There is a little encampment that you go back to. And you're just going through this story unfolding in this final, uh, what is it? Sort of this... Uh, Dungeons and Dragons universe. I was going to say Final Fantasy, but no, Dungeons and Dragons style kind of universal existence. There's 12 classes, 46 subclasses, skills galore. Uh, it's turn-based combat, you know, so it's not sort of live combat where, you know, it's sort of everybody takes a turn. And there's a lot of sort of reloading, you know, so a lot of gamers talk about you save just before you go into a fight because if it doesn't go your way, you load it back and do the fight again and fix your errors, Mm. you know. And so because of that, you then are often just constantly going back fights to then perfect it and do it better. And you end up doing the same fight multiple times. So when they talk about it, it takes 153 hours, I don't even know if that's contributing how many times you're reloading saves to do it again and do it right. 153 hours to finish a base game literally yeah, that's, three yeah. times more than it needs to be it's Elden it's Ring obscene. was 55 hours yeah without I mean, going down all the side quest potholes it's huge you know and I've sort of I've, I did the class build like major character and I started playing it the opening cinematic is sick like uh, absolutely got me hyped into the game start playing the game you're exploring you're sort of going all over the shop and it's just a slow burn in act one what about the mechanics i mean the turn-based combat ticks the boxes for some people um you know if you've ever played XCOM, that's done sort of really good turn-based combat but the turn-based in this because it's so open and it's not tiled so you sort of don't have like a chess game like XCOM's like a chess game where everything's tiled where you move pieces on a board kind of thing whereas this one it's there's like free movement flowing characters can fly like you know high ground low ground there's so much variety flexibility in the combat system and then once you come out of the combat system then you're free walking to your next quest when you say turn based do you mean the enemy has a go you either successfully dodge or parry you don't and then it's your turn literally yeah so do you think that this is a game that is trying to train you to play? Um, do you know I, what I mean by that? Like, I don't think it's like trying to train you. It's just that that's the style they've gone for of how it works. Um, and it, some people love it. You know, some people really get, get amongst it. I'm, I'm coming to the conclusion that it's not really my style so much. Like I enjoyed XCOM and... It's such a it's such a weird thing to like this game to be game of the year, ten out of ten. Everybody raved it, and I was so hyped for it to now be playing it. And it's like my expect I had higher expectations. I'm getting a very uh, World of Warcraft vibe here, which is like this is going to be a game that you're only going to play. Uh, what do you mean only going to play? Like, like you talk to some gamers, and they identify as like a WoW gamer, right? You know. Um, like that's what I play. It seems like yeah. Baldur's Gate's trying to do that. This is going to be your main title for the next two years kind of thing. 
Sort of. I probably I wouldn't go so far as to say next two years, but yes, I I see what you're saying of going. It's an undertaking. You're, yeah. It's a commitment. It's going to be a, a sort of a weeks on end commitment. If you know, unless you've got days in and out, you can commit to this. But anybody with a full time job, good luck to you. Yeah. Is the juice worth the squeeze on this game? Because that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from you here. Mate, is it's, that it's it a great to, question. It wants you to grind. It wants you to put in the hours. It doesn't sound like it's willing to give you the rewards and and the and, and and you know the juices for your labor. Yeah, I mean, like you go down a dungeon, you fight some fucking witch person. It takes forever, and at the end, you get a staff that ain't that good that you don't really want to use. Is is this game suited to the evening gamer then? Because it's sounding like it might not be. It's it's for the it's for the ultra gamer. It's for the 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 the. It's in my blood. I play all day, every day, gamer. You know, I'm I'm sort of in fucking school holidays. I don't know. So then, how like what is the criteria for game of the year then? Because this got game of the year. It, yeah. Well, I mean, and uh, on what on what premise? Because if we if if they're judging games, and <laughs> we mentioned this in a previous. Um, episode that these things could be rigged like you know game of the year could be very much rigged are they listening to the gamers or is it that Baldur's Gate came out it was a hugely complex game it took them ages to develop it got a lot of interest at first and they were like right oh game of the year I think like you know I don't want to we can't get into the conspiracy theory of going you know these game of the year (laughs) these game of the year awards are sort of bought and paid for no not at all but you know know, I think so like with, with Remnant 2 I think same same as back in episode one when we were talking about what is the definition of a good movie, you know, and and does it have all the hallmarks? Does it tick all the boxes? I think Baldur's Gate 3, hypothetically, yes, ticks all the boxes. It is a sprawling game. It's fantastically done. It's got intrigue. It's got story. It's got unique characters. It's got world building. It has all the elements, but it just is not for me it's not my style of game and i've become bored with it and that's that's on me you know and i know there's probably a lot of listeners out there going guy like you know keep going it gets better you know keep persist with it but i dropped it for four days because my life got hectic and then picked it back up and i'm in the underdark i have no idea where i am what i'm doing what the story was i've lost track of it and i'm just looking at it going i don't know if i can be bothered to find my way out of this fucking lair to get back to some semblance of the real story that's going on here and the whole time i'm looking at people playing hell divers 2 going I fucking want to play that game. That this looks sick. sick. I can pick this up at any time. Exactly. And look at it. Exactly. Yeah. So, Baldur's Gate 3, just to wrap it all up in a bow, yes, it deserved Game of the Year. Sure. There's okay. an argument for okay. that. You know, I, I won't do it a disservice. Was it a perfect 10? Not for me. You know, I'd probably put it in the realm of an 8.3. It's, it's solid. It's strong. I just don't have the hours in my life to play a game. And... I would make the hours in my life if I loved it. And yep. I don't love it, so I ain't giving it a high score. There you go. Um, what was the score? Did you mention 8. that? 8.3. 8.3. 8.3. That's still very high. So I think I think there you're very conscious of what it takes to be good at this game, the grind that's involved. And you see the benefit. You know, you, you've enjoyed it a little bit. You know it's a good game, but you're just saying that it's just too fucking much. It's too much, yeah. And I, I Googled it just to kind of try and trick myself back into enjoying it and just Googled like, is anybody else bored with this game and just like found it a chore and i found a reddit chat where everyone was like yeah like you almost feel sort of almost uh what would be the word for it imposter yeah shitting on the game of the year but i am i got bored of it and i'm not alone in that thought there you go 
info at theeveninggamer.com.au. If you have a review... A I thought you were going to say, if you want to rinse Guy on his opinion, email in. If you have a review or a few paragraphs either agreeing with Guy here... Oh, you are doing or that. Or disagreeing, I'd, I'd be, as someone that hasn't played this game, I'd be willing to read that. Yeah, and give you the airtime to see I mean, if we can get a, a you know a bit of the community's involvement here because it sounds like that this wasn't kind of a slam dunk. It sounds like they might not have pandered to the evening gamer, the average gamer. And I want to hear from the community out there if they if what you're saying resonates with you or if or if that that maybe your your personal your personality here in terms of things having to be perfect is. Yeah. is maybe coming through a little I, bit on this. I, I think it's review. like this is it. This is it. I'll I'll put it blatantly. If you're an evening gamer and you're meticulous like me and you've got to go down every fucking corridor, I shouldn't be playing games that take 153 hours to complete. So that doesn't true. make sense. You know, that doesn't co- co-inhabit. But yes, do write in and hell, write in and persuade me to keep playing this game. You know, because I'm literally up to sort of, I think where I'm about to start act two or something like that. And, you know, there's three acts in the game. So I'm only, a, what, a quarter way through. If you think I should keep keep playing, tell me. Yeah, also, no shame in admitting this. We're still waiting on our first email. So the first email will guaranteed get read out. Oh, it'll, it'll get read out. Yeah, we'll talk about so it. So if, if, you, if you love gaming and you're in the community and you have an opinion to share, we're evening gamers. We are only four episodes into being podcasters. So why don't you just share your opinions with us and we'll give it a shout out. <laughs> I, bet, I bet the first email is going to be your Mrs. V. Like, can you two shut the fuck up? <laughs> I'm in the other room studying law. Can you please stop... <laughs> fucking talking about gaming in the study in fact i need the desktop taylor get out of there um no yeah that's a a solid review there and i think there's definitely been a number of games where i've had the same opinion that maybe have been close to game of the year and i've i've shared what you've spoken about there with you i understand and i think most gamers would right question time should we do questions from how wait who went first last i think i did so i can't even remember yeah pick out your question there it is, handing it over. Oh, so I'm going to do mine. Yeah, go for it. I'm going to do yours. What game are you most embarrassed for having enjoyed? <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking dumb question, but I think Farmville. <laughs> Farmville. I'm not someone that really gets embarrassed about gaming, like. What's that iPhone game you and Kyle play? Clash of Clans. Come on. Oh, that's fucking sick, man. <laughs> Anything for me that has creativity is a huge creative outlet, has tactics involved, has progression and rewards. I'll play it <laughs> and I'll fucking love it. That's Honestly, just... sitting at the pub listening to you and Kyle rabbit on about that thing, I'd rather like <laughs> cut my eyes out. <laughs> that's just that's just how I'm built. Um yeah, I'd probably say Farmville, man. I had a very decent setup going there for a while. Farmville, what is that, on Facebook gaming? Or yeah, it's kind of like just a Android gaming game where you kind of built a farm and you harvested crop and <laughs> fed your animals. It's very much simplistically doing what I do on Minecraft at the moment anyway. Have you, have you thought about doing like, you know, there's those modern farming games where you're, you know, in a tractor on a field, like rolling around? <laughs> no, because I, I, I typically, I don't really game like that anymore in terms of Farmville and stuff like that. But I, I typically save my console for time consuming games that, a relative have a higher intensity than that you know that that's um a very much combat based i think is probably the best way to put yeah. it 
Yeah, fair. So my my answer to that would be uh, Sid Meier's Pirates. Okay. And uh, what? <laughs> I, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I came across this game back when I was going to a gaming cafe, and all my friends were playing. Like, well, there's your first clue. You were going to a gaming cafe. Yeah, I know. Fucking what a nerd. But uh, everyone, all my mates were playing uh, CS uh, 1.6 back then, and of course, the gaming rig that I had didn't fucking work, and mm. that was the only game that was on the computer that did work. And you're a little animated character in a pirate ship. Going around the Caribbean, getting better battleships and like looting places. Why are you embarrassed for playing that? That sounds fucking sick. It was sick. It was <laughs> sick. But it's, it's like... just not something that you put on your gaming resume. No, yeah. Oh, come God. on, you wouldn't. You wouldn't really talk. I'm not going to review that game. It'd be like it's a ten out of ten game. But uh, it was. It was basically Black Flag before Black Flag. Yeah, right. You know. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Here's yeah. a way to destroy my gaming reputation. Bang. Ten out of ten. <laughs> That's nice. All right, your your question. Is this is this it here? Yeah, okay, yeah. here we go. Uh, wait, what is game you couldn't play alone, or if you did, what does that say? It's really scary. Can you not read my hand, Ronnie? No, I can't. Yeah, game you couldn't play alone. It was scary. Oh, game you couldn't play alone because it's scary, or if you did, scared you. I mean, Returnal scared me at a few points because their cutscenes are a bit creepy, and you're walking around a creepy house, and there's like an astronaut following you. But um. Probably Dead Space with the jump out scares. Oh yeah, nice one. You know, and I I remember like you know you're shooting the legs off people and or zombies or whatever and seeing them get eviscerated. But it was it's always the jump scares. You know, jump scares are they're cheap scares, but in Dead Space they were always kind of fun kind of things. You know, and you'd have to sort of grapple your way out of them. I enjoyed that one, um, Bioshock One, I reckon, where you're sort of going down Rapture and it's all underwater, um, and there's big daddies, you know, these giant sort of suit suited dudes rolling around. There was certainly parts in that where you'd hear these cackling people from a, across the way, and they're like charging at you with knives and stuff, and you'd be like, ooh, like you get the you know the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Yeah, nice. What would be yours? You know what mine was? Mine was actually pretty recent as well. Resident Evil Village. Nice. And it's not because of the cutscenes or anything like that. Like, I'm a horror movie watcher as well. Yeah. Nothing really scares me. Right. But the eeriness of this game yeah. was just so well done. Like, there's this one stage where you have to go to this empty house that's being haunted by a series of dolls. Right. And there's just real weird shit going on in there, man. Yeah. And there's, like, times you have to crawl through really small spaces to get away from like overgrown baby worms that are chasing you wanting to swallow you whole you have to hide under beds and every time you get out of a scene like that or a or a particular playthrough like that you're in the next area and it's quiet at first and you're like oh what's gonna come out here (laughs) man like what and things like fall off the walls and like just oh. weird shit like that happens. And if, you, if you're sitting there playing at night with a headset on, I was like, this is good. This is completely engrossing me in this environment. And I'm right there with my character in the nice. game. And it's just like, it's like one of those games that I don't think it would ever come close to a game of the year, Resident Evil Village. But it did what it does so well in that game. I have played a couple of the Resident Evils and do enjoy them. They are solid, and I'm I am I love the fact they've gone back and redone some of these earlier ones. I haven't played them myself, but like mm. some of those early Resident Evils, they're a little bit dated now. And when they do a refurb of an old dated game, you're often like, okay, like yeah, you've modernized it, but not really. But they fucking modernized the shit out of it. They did, and also I think Resident Evil goes way back when there wasn't a lot of. St- 
gaming content online. You yeah. couldn't really Google what to do next. Yeah. Like we're talking early 2000s. I remember a couple of the Resident Evils I had to put down because I was like, I don't know where to go next. Like this is back where you had to go into EB Games and buy a guided book. That yeah, someone right. Had, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, the fact they've made remakes now with all this more, you know, accessible information is, is I think, really, really good. And it just keeps the hype around their brand. I think Resident Evil is going to be a brand. Oh, it'll stand that's around be, for a long yeah, time. It's know? phenomenal. I was, uh, the question, I, you shot on my question before and I was tempted to give you one of your favorite cinema based on a video game. So a TV show or movie based on a video game. And the Resident Evil movie, that first one, did you ever see that first one back in the day? I think I might have, yeah. Mila Djokovic or whatever her name yeah. is. And she's like that whole sequence where the lasers go through the, the black guy and yeah. he just gets cube cut. Oh yeah. my God. Stuff like that, yeah. Burnt into my brain. It's like a shock element Yeah. of it. Oh yeah. You know, like sometimes something doesn't have to be jump scary or too eerie to be, to be frightening. It just has to be something that your eyes would never see before. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's, yeah, Red Wedding, Game of Thrones, that kind of there level stuff. There you go. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah, top of the list. Sweet. Well. That's episode four. Yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah. That was the quickest 45 minutes of my life. And I, I think we did really well. I think we packed it in. And you know what else we did? I don't think any time throughout either of us said 100%. 100% we didn't we didn't yeah I mean I, go. I, got, I copped some flack on that going like man you guys should change the name to the 100% gamer there's or something a, we said it that often we gotta stop a, agreeing with each other that's the problem a, we've got here there's a few things that we say we say to me we always do that do we? to me this game and okay, that, we yeah. always say 100% yeah. as well 100% is our sort of yeah clutch thing that we go to where we agree with bang on bang on no, you bang on and there, I mean we, we also got a pretty high swear count as well I'm sort of yeah. you know for anybody I noticed the buzzword this week was shut on we said that a few times. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, there we go. There you go. Well, I didn't drop the C word week. this time. I'm rather happy about that. Don't be an NPC. Keep leveling up. Thank you. <laughs>